Welcome to the Eco News Report. I'm your host this week, Tom Wheeler, Executive Director of Epic. And we are back. This is one of my favorite traditions that we have on the Eco News Report. We like to kick off the new year with poetry. And I have two of my favorite local poets, Jerry Martin. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you, Tom. Nice to be back again. Another nice. year already. Yeah, I know, right? The time slips by. And Katie Gurren. Welcome to the show, Katie. Thank you. And because this is the Eco News Report, the, the, the poets and the poetry here are, are going to have a little bit of an environmental bent to them, I imagine. Although they don't have to. These poets contain multitudes. They're not just environmental poets. But I, I, I anticipate environmental themes emerging throughout tonight. And really, this is all about the poetry. So I will shut up as fast as possible. Jerry, how about you lead off with a poem? If you could introduce the poem and get going. Yeah, yeah. I I decided, well, Katie and I decided at, at some point, I don't know if we decided or just meandering while, while walking about talking about what we were thinking about. And we, it turned out we, we had both been thinking about addressing other other creatures than just ourselves. I, I just, I just, I saw Katie's poems today. I, we, we, we mean really different things by that. That's very cool. <laughs> Some very other, very other creatures. I'm going to, I'm going to start with a poem to a, a, a familiar other creature, a northern spotted owl, from a campground in Oregon, where I had stopped after a uh, nature writing conference. And there, there had been an owl expert at the at the conference and talked to us about how to how to call spotted owls and gave us the different hoots that <laughs> spotted owls talk. But I think I think I think a lot of a lot of environmental majors know that because they get to, then they get jobs hooting at owls in the forest. Or now maybe they get jobs shooting barred owls in the forest instead. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I have my perverse way, Jerry, that's yeah, that, that's what would happen. Yeah, I'm sure you must be catching a lot of heat, <laughs> you, you owl murderer. <laughs> okay, here, but the, the northern spotted owl is is I, I think is is a good other a good other creature to invoke. They've been around a long time, and. Anything we can do to keep them here is bound to be good for all of us. To a northern spotted owl, from the meadow, a dark shape, soundless, rises into the Douglas fir beside my tent. The branch bends under her weight. Last night, around the fire, naturalists and nature writers doing owl calls. I try the basic five hoot greeting. She turns her head just a fraction of how far it could turn, regards me, opens her wings, glides one tree over to an empty campsite. White dappled, woods dark, feathers upturned, at the tips for silence. Her temperature, the owl man said, depends on 
where she is in the canopy. She wears the forest, warm and dry in the treetops, cool and wet down here where she hunts. She leaves her perch, swoops onto the meadow, strikes, rises with empty talons, returns to the forest edge. Besides mice and bowls and canopy, she requires a new cavity in an old tree every year. Baby owls, like humans, leave a big mess. What she gets is industry talking higher rates of rotation, lower percentages of retention with buffer zones and off-season campgrounds. Exile in our own land. When winter comes colder and summers broiling hot, we'll all wish we had a forest to wear. Thank you, Jerry. I, I mean, as a as a friend of uh, the Northern Spotted Owl, um, the the silence of their strike that that stands out to me. I remember my first time seeing a Northern Spotted Owl. I was with a friend who was doing a research project and was out hooting, and we put out mice on a log, and hooted. The owl came, knew what was happening, knew it was about to be fed, and the silence in which it moved from that branch to strike the mouse was just remarkable. And you said this before the poem, but anything that we can do in this world to help Northern Spotted Owls feels like it must be the right thing to do to help ourselves too. And I, I feel like that's so true. That one experience, you know, you have these experiences that just live with you and guide you for the rest of your lives. That that, that was one of mine. So Thank you. That that was a very meaningful poem to me for you to start off with. Katie, would you like to go next? Yeah, absolutely. And Jerry, I love that poem. I love the image of wearing the forest. That's really beautiful. So I'm going to read a poem about Neptune. Some planets pull air to stillness, but not you. Your sky is swifter than sound. You, a sea of suppressed boiling, press to your rock. You, a world-sized storm and an errant, frigid, geysering moon. So how how do you come to write about Neptune? What, what in your life draws you to Neptune? I've, I've been really wanting to write poems about, like, some of the vastest, most distant things I can imagine. And I can't really explain that. <laughs> I I think I like to just think it a bunch of different, as many stretch my imagination as far as I can. And so I like to think about creatures that are very small and, and then things that are very large, like processes that are very large. And so, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about astronomy lately and even cosmology. Like I, I started writing a poem about like the history of the universe recently. 
And there's something satisfying about that, like trying to wrap your mind around the history of the entire universe feels good. I imagine that that will be an epic poem, a book length poem, as <laughs> as it should be. Although I, I hear that the Big Bang and the initial birth of the universe was surprisingly quick. Uh, so maybe it doesn't need to be that long. Right. Yeah, a lot happened in milliseconds. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. Jerry, do you have another? Yeah, let me let me come back from Oregon and read something from Lower Elk River. It's a New Year's, it's actually a New Year's poem. Down by on Elk River Spit, where I used to walk my dog. And these are these poems are this poem is from when she was still a young dog. It's kind of nostalgic, but you know, New Year's anniversaries are kind of like that, recalling us to where and what we are. Well, this is just old Lang Syne, ain't it? Right? Yeah, right. This is this is, so. This this has this has a. I think this has a, a a a loon and a mallard in it, as well as a dog, and myself wondering where we are, as usual. It's called In With the Old, instead of, you know, in with the new and out with the old. That's, I'm, I've, I've grown rather partial to the old myself. <laughs> um, you know, old people, old, old planets, old species. Beach grass, broken shell, driftwood and sand. Old man, young dog, walking into a new year. Storm waves have, have pushed in from the bay and over this narrow spit, erasing any sign we've been here. Our world's going under, I say to the dog. On the near bank, the river has undercut its edge again. Mallard in the current, loon on the tide with less and less between them all my new poems are about my old poems as if rivers or lost friends could be brought back by repeating a thing i'd said only this time it came out right as if the earth were walking on brought here by storm and flood was more than silt, not the legacy of deforestation, but a new and solid ground, something to build another world on. Old man, young dog, warbler on a willow branch, the idea of that jackrabbit in the tall grass. Lovely. Katie said something today on our email exchange about that sense of possibility. And I thought, oh, yes, that jackrabbit in the tall grass. <laughs> Anything is possible. <laughs> Dogs are wonderful like that. They <laughs> they're always anticipating you know, the next good thing. <laughs> 
and in addition to both being poets, you, you both have a connection to the Elk River. Katie, through work, works to do Elk River restoration. Jerry, you've been a long time Elk River defender. So it, it's a, other like fun little things that kind of bring us together. Small worlds. Katie, would you like to go next? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I've said this before to you, Jerry, but I, that line about the mallard on the current and the loon on the tide getting closer together is one of the more elegant descriptions of sea level rise <laughs> I've heard. Pretty soon the, the bay and the river will be all the same thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, I actually wanted to read a quote from Adrian Rich because we were we were talking about this sense of possibility and I, I I was thinking I'd like to sort of express my wish for Eco News listeners is that you feel some revolutionary possibility in the new year. So so there's this quote that I love from Adrian Rich that I have on my refrigerator. It's from her book What is Found There. The revolutionary poet loves people, rivers, other creatures, stones, trees, inseparably from art, is not ashamed of any of these loves, and for them conjures a language that is public, animate, inviting, terrifying, and beloved. Any revolutionary art is an alchemy through which waste, greed, brutality, frozen indifference, blind sorrow, and anger are transmuted into some drenching recognition of the poetic the possible. And definitely feel like Jerry's poetry does that so well, like with being able to take very public and political language and and have also this sense of another world being possible. Thanks, Katie. And maybe I, I've just decided to make a, a, a new direction for the Eco News report. If you ever have a poem, if if this is inspiring you to write poetry, if this is a new possibility for you, if you are so inspired, send it in to me, tom at wildcalifornia.org. Maybe we can start to end episodes on on a, a poetic note. So if you send me in your poem, no guarantee that I'll read it on air, but if I like it, I will. So uh, again, tom at wildcalifornia.org. Let, let's have 2024 be a very poetic year. The Eco News Report. Would you like to, to, to continue, Katie? Yeah. Just, I'm going to read a poem. This one isn't an address, but it's it's possibly appropriate for a rainy day. So this is about a period of intense rainfall in the late Triassic period that lasted for two million years. <laughs> and so hopefully that puts things in perspective for you. It's also about climate change. And I... I love thinking about climate change in the past because it it just kind of helps me understand what's happening now. So even things that obviously the world right now is very different than it was in the late Triassic, but I think there are still some lessons, particularly just how fragile our climate is and our world is. So Carnian Pluvial episode. Underwater volcanoes hold two million pluvial years from the Earth's mantle. Rain spent this time casting smooth pebbles across the continents. Once again, life was lost at the behest of carbon. The atmosphere exhaled a command or a spell or a song to end the lineages. 
Beginning, conifers pulsed, and dinosaurs ground forests to food. It rained for two million years until the earth sucked its carbon back. Eroding mountains, underwater formations, and trees held this gasp. Well, the last time we had CO2 levels as high was 2.6 to 5 point something million years ago. So it might start to make sense for us to look into the deep past to imagine what our near future might look like. Climate change is is coming, y'all. And some other thought that came to me was, what fun. We have poems about Neptune and the Triassic period. We also have poems about witnessing a northern spotted owl at a campsite and walking with one's dog on the new year. <laughs> the, the diversity is so great. Jerry, do you, do you have another for us? Here's, here's, yeah, here's another another bird poem from Oregon. This, I think this was on the on the Brighton Bush River. It's called Looking Upstream. It's a uh, the Brian Bush River is a tributary of the Mackenzie, which then, not long after, the Brighton Bush River comes in. If I have this right, I could be on it. This, this may be the Blue River. There's a dam, and then a series of dams, which are mostly for agriculture. Looking upstream at shallows, moss green, and rock shadow green and bubbling bright blue foam green and the deeper, darker current plunging into the green of time. And an oozel, the American Dipper, an oozel winging rock to rock. And I wonder if he knows about the dam a dozen miles downstream, the river made to work for man. And at once I see, of course he knows, and so does the river, and so do I, and even when I'm gone, see the river in her wild abandon, oozel splashing through rapids, creation in its joyful dance dams, and man forgotten. And I take that river with me when I go. Just for a sense of perspective. <laughs> well, how lovely. What a lovely poem, particularly in this, in this moment. We have the first of the four Klamath dams that are to be taken out. It's gone. This summer, the other three will be removed. We are close to removing two dams on the Eel River. So free free rivers will rain again once more on the North Coast. And it will just be a, a blip in in world time that we just screwed things up so royally here. <laughs> so listeners, as I said before earlier in this show, if you have poetry that you want read on air in a future Eco News episode, email me at tomatwildcalifornia.org. Perhaps what we could do is, do you have a, a good poem about dam removal? Send it. Let, let's commemorate this wonderful time of dam removal with some poetry. That There's your writing prompt, your first writing prompt of the year. 
Katie, would you would you grace us with another, please? Yeah, I'm going to read a poem about a caddisfly. I I spend most of my working day thinking about rivers, so I thought it would be appropriate to read a river-related poem. One set of jaws to eat only what's been freely given, another set just to cut through your shelter of silk and rock. To travel to the new fluid, you make a second body, then a third which you unfurl at the surface to take in their heady scents. Your year-long life, you were submerged all winter in the best water. Do you work with caddisflies? Is this a, is this a common species? Oh yeah, caddis. Well, I don't. I guess I guess I do. So most of my work is is fisheries restoration related. But of course, to restore fish, you need to restore the health of the whole ecosystem, and and that includes the the human people thriving as well. So yeah, so I I think about the food that fish eat a lot. And one of them, one of those, the sources of food is caddisflies. And caddisflies are a really good indicator of water quality as well. So that line, you were submerged all winter in the best water is referring to that. I I love the best water. I I thought that that was a a very beautiful line. For a poem like this, is it something that occurs to you, the theme occurs to you, or, or some lines or imagery comes to you in the course of your working day? Or is it something where you sit down and you say, well, I'm going to now write a poem about this subject and I'm going to do the research about the jaws and how is the process of writing a poem like that? So both of those things. I mean, this one was, I think I was, I went backpacking on the Smith River and yeah, I just remember seeing lots of caddisflies and just being fascinated with them and wanting to know more about them. So writing a poem for me is a way of like really thinking deeply about what the life of another creature is like. But yeah, I also write poems just responding to my to my working day or other things that occur to me. So lots of different ways of writing. Yeah. I think we have time for one more each. And I will go Jerry and then Katie, you can close our evening. All right. This is, I thought I would bring in a a species far from us, but who actually lives very close to us. <laughs> when I, I wrote this, when, when we were about to sell our house in Manila and move to Elk River, it's been many years ago. I, I was feeling very sentimental about that old house and the things, <laughs> the things that you live with that are perfectly fine until you go to sell it. And so then you have to call a, a house inspector in and have it certified. And he says, oh, by the front door. Yeah, you better do something about these little holes in the floor. And those were actually, those were actually history. They were long, long ago abandoned by the powder post beetles that had lived there briefly when when the door leaked and there was plentiful water. And when as soon as I fixed the leak, the, the powder post beetle split for someplace more favorable. 
He's a model revolutionary, burrows from within, works quietly, troubles no one. The home inspector describes him small, helpless, easily crushed between the fingers. But we don't find him, only his handiwork. The inspector brings out a handful of subfloor, fragments of papery wood, and powder, of course, and a note saying, so long and thanks. I tear out the threshold, sister new joints under the old fur flooring, the tiny holes I've lived with for nearly 20 years. The holes will be sprayed, the new owners untroubled by threats of subversion. I've heard they only come out of their holes to make love. But like us, maybe they also wanted to live in a sunnier location. The note left no forwarding address. Delightful. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> All right, Katie, we have time for one more. All right, this one's short. It's addressed to a lichen. Are you a parasite puncturing to lap up leaked sugar? Are you a farmer, your fields within? Without the other, you have no tufts or strands. Eater of rock, you have no tassels until you cradle your eater of light. This has just been such a, a lovely way for, for me to spend an evening. Well, folks who are listening, I hope that you had a wonderful morning listening to this or whenever you listen to it. And I hope you have a wonderful new year. Jerry, Katie, thank you so much for coming in and, and joining us and sharing your poetry. Oh, thank you, Tom. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And and remember, send me your poems, Tom at wildcalifornia.org. I'd love to read them on air. And join us next week on This Time and Channel for more environmental news from the North Coast of California. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs>